0: Sarinje. Estili's header, it's a super header! Well, the game, some
1: said, would never take place. Here it is unfolding with real drama. And it's Iran. With the cross more good save by Hosseini.
2: He won't. You'll find Ezatelahi
1: who does. And Asmun wasn't very far away. As Moon is away here, but is he onside? Why oh, is it the post? Taremi to his right. Ezatalahi with the shot Oh, hennessy has got a touch on it. It's a great save by Hennessy. That's a good-looking
0: ball, Hennessy's coming. he got it right, he
1: hasn't! It. He'll be sent off here! <laughs>
2: This is uh,
0: just a win. Uh, three points. We did not uh, finish our job. Uh, everything is open in the, in the group. What is important it is that we have our goals and dreams in our hands. As I said uh, after the game, this is now not how we start, but how we finish.
3: There is a will, there is a way. Hit the post once, hit it twice, and hit it. Uh, hit every unlucky break in between, but they never quit. And sure enough, Ruzbe Cheshmi will find the breakthrough. That's exactly how we predicted, guys. All that remains to reaching the second round of the World Cup for the first time in the country's history is the United States. Welcome to Gold design Podcast, guys. I'm Samson Tamajani. We have a great episode lined up for you today with a special guest hope you like and share this with your friends and family and subscribe to us on youtube as well i have with me our classic panelist aria Alavredi. aria what's up
2: hey guys how's it all going hope you're all doing well um yeah great win and it's good to be joined by our special guest we'll, we'll get to it pretty soon Yeah, and on top of that, we also
3: have another classic panelist, Babak Goldreiss. Babak, what's up, man? Great to be here, especially after the game we watched today. And then also a special guest for us, uh, Mr. Stephen Betashore of of, uh, U.S. Camps, and most notably with the Iran national team and winning an MLS Cup as well. Stephen, thanks for joining us, man.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on here.
3: All right. Now, guys, just to start off, I, I want to ask everyone just hop, just to start off right, right off the bat. Stoppage time, all these missed opportunities, and then finding the most unlikely breakthrough imaginable. And then the cherry on top. Uh, Aria, what was, what was your initial reaction to just the craziness? I know you were doing the TSN uh, Canadian broadcast in Farsi. What was going on for you?
2: Yeah, it was a bit of a strange one for myself. I don't normally, obviously, uh, do anything else during the Iran matches. I just try to focus on the game. But this time, I was commentating for for TSN in Canada, um, and yeah, it was uh, an interesting experience. But um, I couldn't celebrate for the goals, so it wasn't like I was going crazy or anything like that. Normally, as, as I would have done, but you know, it was um, it was uh, one of those uh, inner. Uh, kind of celebrations that I had to do and uh, it was a good one you know I think it was an unexpected goal from Rose Bateshmi who we were um, I think to be honest rightly criticising from the last game he didn't play well at all against England but you know he came up trumps against uh, Wales uh, got the goal and um, you know now we're in a position where we can get to the second round
3: I think I think I'm still in disbelief at this I, I just, just I just like oh my god what really Babak, what what was how was it for you? Shock,
5: uh, relief, excitement—all the emotions that you can imagine—all at once because it was so unexpected. Uh, I was happy to take the draw probably after 18 minutes almost want to whistle to go because at least it gave us a chance to qualify by getting a result against the United States but uh, the red card sort of turned it and we never gave up and that's what happens perseverance I think it was a battle of uh, mental toughness today really and uh, I think we'll talk about it a little bit later but the players believed the coach got them to believe somehow over the last three four days under very very difficult circumstances so I'm very proud right now
3: yeah, uh, I think everyone will agree with you on that, Bob Akin. Uh, Steven, longtime friend of the show. You spent time uh, wearing a, a, a U.S. national team patch. And then, of course, Iran, you uh, were on the squad in 2014 in Brazil. Uh, you have a little bit of history that some of these uh, some of the players and with uh, Coach uh, Kairosch. Just what, what was that moment for you watching uh, today? Tell, you can also tell us, you know, uh, where you're at and, and what, what, what was around you and all that was happening for you.
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, it was an early, early game over here. So at home, watched uh, uh, at the comfort of my own, my own couch. So that was nice. Uh, but just nervous, um, you know, excited when they finally got that goal. Uh, everything kind of Bobak, you know, and Aria kind of mentioned earlier. Um, you know, that first game against England, that's not the Iran that we were expecting to see. And so uh, for them to come out and I don't know how Carlos, you know, inspired them, motivated them, did whatever he had to do. But um, it was honestly an inspirational performance from them. And I'm so proud that they came through like that.
3: Yeah, you, you ever been a part of uh, I, I mean, just just witnessing, uh, you know, it, I mean, maybe in, in the playoffs, MLS or or Uh, anything or in the world cup have you ever felt something like that firsthand
4: yeah i mean it's tough to explain um you know so many times you just say go play the game um and myself included uh but i don't know if you can put that past what's going on in the country with the people with the government and everything that's going on and you know sure the casual fan doesn't know what's going on but anybody uh you know, either from here that has uh, Iranian ties, uh, or people there watching, they know what's going on. And so it, it was tough to listen to the critics here in the United States, you know, talking about uh, Iran not being a good team. I'm like, man, these guys are the top team team in Asia for their how many World Cups? Three World Cups in a row. Uh, and that wasn't that wasn't the team that I know. Uh, you could tell that their their mind they couldn't focus on the game. And I don't blame them. It's it's difficult with what's going on in the government and uh, the people, everybody's in their ear telling them what to say, what to do, how to act. How are you supposed to focus on that? Um, and so uh, that was a different team we saw against England. This was the normal team against Wales. And I'm so happy and proud that, you know, they came through because they dominated that match from start to end.
3: Yeah. On that note, Stephen, I want to just uh, ask you, if you can briefly remind our listeners, some of whom maybe new, uh, what your uh, history is exactly uh, with the U.S. national team and then converting to the uh, Iran national team uh, picked up by Carlos uh, Carlos Caros. You were, you were born and raised in the U.S., correct?
4: Yeah, yeah. For, for the people listening, uh, born and raised in the uh, United States, in California. Uh, you know, grew up, never played for the youth uh, U.S. national team. Uh, and I got called into the full national team when I was, uh, I think in my third year with the San Jose earthquakes, uh, didn't play. So I didn't get cap tied. And then in January of 2013, I got called into January camp again. Um, and that was in my fourth year with the earthquakes. And unfortunately I had to pull out of the camp because I needed to get a second surgery on a sports hernia, which. Uh, I got the previous year and I just kind of played through it, uh, you know, four or five months with it. And so uh, the timing wasn't great, didn't work out, and I never got cap tied with the US. Uh, meanwhile, Iran had been keeping in contact with me and following me since my uh, second, third, and fourth year uh, with earthquakes. And so um, I think when they saw that the US kind of called me up and they were uh, interested, it was kind of a little bit of pressure to speed up the process and get all my paperwork. Uh, and so, right after that, I got my first call up um, against Thailand at Azadi Stadium in Iran. Uh, and then, yeah, got called into the World Cup team in 2014 to represent Iran and Brazil.
3: Well, I, I'm sure that that had a, a ton of memories. Uh, I look forward to uh, hearing more of your. Uh, perspective as we uh, carry on with this episode. Any any follow up questions, R. A. or Bobak, uh to what Stephen just said?
2: Yeah, just one question. Bobak, I'll let you go next. But it, obviously, seeing this game go on today and and having seen the players, you know, the first game they didn't sing the national anthem, the second game they did. You know, there must have been some pressure on them from from the government, from also people outside what, did you feel any of that when you were playing for the team what kind of things went on is there anything you can give us in terms of how you feel the players might feel being in this situation
4: yeah i mean obviously every player feels pressure uh, to perform uh but this is a different kind of pressure that the players are feeling you know this is uh this is not metaphorically life and death this is literally life and death for these guys they have the government in their ears. They have the coaching staff in the ears. They have players in their ears. They have fans in their ears. They have family, parents, cousins, relatives. You name it. Everybody is in their ear, telling them how to act, what to do, what to say, how to play. How do you focus like that? And so this game against Wales, I felt like they were a little bit more free. They played. They had energy. Um, and it, it's just it's it's tough as a player to. Forget about everything because it takes a toll, you know, especially now with social media, um, you know, that no player is safe from just common fans and their opinions. And they could be as polite as they want or they can be as ruthless as they want. So uh, I really feel for those players. It's nothing that I could even say comes close to that type of pressure. But um, again, I'm, I'm, I, I said it again. I said it before. I'll keep saying it. I'm super proud of the guys and their performance today.
5: Stephen, I think you were in the squad with three of the current players, Essan, Karim, and Adi Reza Jambash, when he was very young, in twenty fourteen. What kind of personalities did you see from them? And do you see do you see Essan as a natural leader in that dressing room today, or is it Karim? Or what's your perspective on their let's call it personalities and leadership skills?
4: Yeah, it sounds a little bit quiet. So I don't know how much of a verbal leader he is. He's more of a lead by example. Uh, you know, Asmund was there when I was there. Um, Kanyam was there when I was there. Who else? And Bosch was there. So there's, there's a few players, not too many. And obviously the coaching staff, the coach and medical staff, they all look very similar, at least what I saw on TV. Um, but, you know, I don't know who per se uh, had the voice and to get everybody Uh, back to the main focus because you know let's be honest uh, Carlos didn't have a lot of time to prepare with this group what he got uh, brought back in September so it's not a ton of time Um, but thankfully the players are familiar with with him with his system his style Um, but again uh, for all the critics out there I heard a lot of people bashing Iran uh, on that first game against England first of all England's a very good team but what was going on on the outside of uh, Iran's mind, that wasn't them. It just wasn't, I'm sorry. You'll never see them play like that again. They, they just, uh, they were scared and that's not because they were playing against England. They were scared for their lives. You know, they were, they were honestly, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. You know, they're, they're football players. You know, they, they've lived this whole life of training and sacrificing competing to play on the biggest stage, the World Cup, okay? And now uh, that's being pushed aside. You know, we have some bigger issues. It is bigger issues, but it's tough. How do you do that as a player? How do you just say, forget the game, uh, you know? And so um, I'm gonna give them a pass for that England game. I really am. I know the score was bad, but uh, I don't think uh, people understand uh, the pressure and, you know, yeah, sure, common fans. <laughs> Yeah, just play the game. Why do they play so poorly? They don't understand. But uh, as a, a fan right now, as a former player of of the national team, of a current player with the with the Rapids, I understand it's it's difficult to do, and it's yeah, I don't I don't blame them one bit.
3: You, you still keeping in touch with any of them, um, uh, Stephen, at all?
4: Yeah, I mean, as far as the former players, a few of them. Uh, a lot of the past players, you know, uh, the guys around my age, I still keep contact with them. Yeah.
3: All right. Well, yeah, Steve and I appreciate that perspective. I'm sure we won't be the only ones uh, knocking on your door or asking you to talk about uh, this upcoming match with the uh, U.S. and Iran. Um, I want to shift into the uh, full match review of the Wells match, uh, guys. Um, The lineup, the starting 11, uh, just to quickly review, uh, uh, Hossein Hosseini got the starting goal to filling in for uh, for filling in for Baron Vaughn's injury and concussion. Uh, Rezaian replaced Moharami as right back. uh, Hosseini, Majid Hosseini and Purali Ganji, center back. Milad Mohammadi, left back. Golizade, Zadeh, Nurolahi, Norollahi, and then up top, Taremi, and then Azmoon. Guys, that is uh, not the lineup we would have been happy about if you asked us this morning. Babek, Arya, I'm sure you guys can agree.
5: I don't know. Uh, for me, for the last few days, all I've been thinking about is Carlos picking the guys who are mentally strongest. To be able to put back the defeat, first of all, but also the bigger issues that Steven mentioned, to block it all out and really put everything on the pitch so I was. Yes, I was surprised by one or two decisions like can not being at center back probably, or. uh, potentially maybe even Moharrami coming uh, out of the team for uh, Reza Young. But I felt that Carlos was going to the players that he trusted the most, the ones he had spent the most time with. Ramin Reza Young has never let down Carlos Kirrosh in the past. So I was having a little debate with the guys before the game. And I was more like of the mindset that, hey, these are the guys who are most mentally ready. And it really doesn't matter if there's one guy here or one guy there. The only... The only main question mark was how you, do you put your the confidence in a goalkeeper that conceded six goals with over 2.2 expected goals, I think it was. So that was a big call. That was a gutsy call from Carlos, but probably also gave Hosseini the confidence that uh, he, he had lost during the past game. But other than that, I'd say I was just looking at the team performance and thinking what kind of team is going to come out rather than individual players.
2: Yeah, I've got to agree. I think, look, ultimately, yes, it was a big surprise. I mean, looking at the defence against England, Purali Ganji didn't have a great game. Yes, you know, as Stephen was saying, there is this mental pressure on the players, but he didn't they didn't play to the standards that we expect. And this is just not... And I think Purali Ganji has been struggling with injuries for a long time. He hasn't been playing that well in the, in the Persian Gulf Pro League. So... We weren't expecting him to get another chance against uh, Wales, but he did. He played really well. Uh, Magito he similarly, did very, very well. You know, these two are the two players that played against Portugal and Spain in the previous World Cup, and they, they repaid the, the faith in in, in Carlos Quiroz for, for the, the chance to play again. Um, but I'm, I'm not surprised the likes of Jan Bash got, got put off uh, the, the team today, you know, because I think he. He's a you know he's a, a very experienced player. He was a pre- previous top goal scorer in, in Netherlands. Played in the Premier League, but didn't show enough against against uh, England. But Kole Zadou came on against England, played really well. You know, despite despite the mental pressure on him, he he, he performed very well against uh, England. Got an assist and he was really good today as well. He hit the post. I thought he was a fantastic performer today for for Iran. Um, the midfield was also a bit of a, a surprise. You know, a side. Had a bit of an injury coming into this game. You got the chance to play. I think uh, he was rested, well rested for the England game. Obviously, Ali Karimi was was starting that game, and I think Nouru Lahi and, and Safi again surprisingly did really well today. And I think it, then it comes back to this this whole thing of they, they blocked out the the external stuff and then just uh, put their full effort on the match and they performed really well. And I think it's a bit of a shame that we haven't seen someone go do play yet. In, the, in this world cup i think i don't know if you guys would agree with that but you know that's just the way it goes i think if they're getting the results you know it doesn't really matter who plays obviously but i think against the u.s having seen them play today against england i would hope that carlos carlos does play a slightly stronger lineup when it comes to personnel especially in the midfield but we shall see i think uh there are some injuries. Nurulahi got injured. Said got injured in this game. Sardar got injured in this game. So we shall see if there's going to be any changes against the U.S.
3: Yeah, it is a bit surprising, I thought, to, to not see Saman uh at any point. It's it kind of like the uh, equivalent of how U.S. was wondering when Gio Reyna was going to come in, except today spoiler alert do did come in uh at the end of the u.s england game and spoiler alert, uh it did end nil nil uh to close off the second round of the group stage guys were we a bit surprised to see iran come out swinging in the first half and c- continuing on in the second half this was a much more loose game tactic-wise from Carlos Quiros, much more aggressive.
4: No, I, I wasn't surprised. Uh, you know, obviously a little bit of a tactical change, a couple of players changed, like you mentioned um, earlier, but uh, the energy looked different. I think you guys can all agree on that. Um, you know, they looked sluggish, they looked slow, they looked tired against England, uh, they looked like their minds were somewhere else. This game, they looked full of energy, fully focused. Uh, every 50 50, I felt like Iran was winning. Um, you know, we have a saying in, in past teams and even current teams of mine, uh, you know, turn those 50-50s into 60-40s in your favor. And so t- today, this game against Wales, I felt like every 50-50 was Iran's ball. Um, and that, that takes a toll over 90 minutes of a match, you know, um, physically and mentally. The other team is just like, man, we just can't get to any second ball. Uh, we can't get in, get to any first ball. And so um, I, I thought, you know, that, that set the tone from the beginning. Uh, And then they just kept applying pressure the entire time Uh, and against England when they, maybe when they won the ball defensively, a lot of times they just cleared it. They just kicked it to nobody. They just kicked it back to England. Today, you saw some composure. You saw them connecting passes. They didn't just uh, hit it up. And a lot of times if they did hit it up, it was uh, to Osmond or to uh, Tarami and, uh, you know, that's the difference with a little bit of tactics you want to talk about. Now you have two holdup guys rather than the 5-4-1 against England. Uh, there's too much space for Medi to cover and go side to side. He couldn't really hold anything up. Uh, and so England would get that second ball. Now against Wales, you have two target strikers, two strikers that run behind or constantly playing off the shoulders of the Wales defenders. So it's a lot of little details. Um that I'm sure I watched differently than than most fans, but uh, a lot of those things add up, and that's why you saw such a such a great performance from Iran.
2: Yeah, I think you know ultimately this this team was very set, well set up to go and be aggressive. You know they they weren't going to be on the in the back foot and defending. There were times in the first half that no doubt Wales were attacking. They got a, a couple of chances here and there. Kiefer Moore came close to scoring at some point in the first half but I think really they didn't really have a lot going forward Wales I wasn't really impressed by the Welsh team to be honest Gareth Bale did nothing the full game I mean he was really poor um he looked a bit lazy to be honest to the Iran players for keeping yeah and I I, I will say Milad, Milad Mohammadi who got criticized very heavily for the England game defended wonderfully well this, this game, you know, I mean, Sure, Stephen Sure is obviously a right back himself. I'm sure you can come on to, you know, the likes of Sade Harden, There's been tons of right backs, left backs for the national team. We haven't constantly seen these players play at a high level recently. They've not been the best, but t- today's performances, you know, Romain and Mirad mohammadi both played fantastically well, which is good to see because fullback has always been one of, I would say, the, the weakest area, especially in qualification for us this time around, wasn't the strongest. S- Sadiq Maharami had some issues at right back. Milad Muhammadi, Omid Nur-Afghan. But today, Milad, who I think has struggled for form over the last few few years, having moving to, moved to Greece, now he's showing in this game that he still has something in the locker that he can pull out. And today he really showed it. And um, I thought, yeah, he kept Gareth Bale out. Um, but no, I think overall, again, the Welsh team didn't have much to offer, and I think that is down to how Iran set up defensively. But even going forward, um, I feel like the the Welsh defence they were they had a five at the back, but they didn't seem the most organised. There were times where Osmond would would cause them some issues. He would run in behind. Yeah, but they would... were they were
5: uh, Arya, They were disrupted. Yeah, Every but... ball we were sending was putting them on the back foot Definitely. under pressure. From, from almost from the outset every yeah. single ball through Osborn was chasing them down so they were really they probably weren't expecting it to be honest the mood in the welsh camp was very very jovial in the last few days there's a lot of pictures and videos on the internet where they were very relaxed maybe overly relaxed after iran got whooped by the by, by england so i don't think they expected a 180 yeah, the un- degree under- turn underestimated.
2: The, un- the, the underestimated iran absolutely right yeah. They did also, but to
4: add to what Babak was saying, the previous game with Wales and U.S. was exhausting, if you guys watched it. Every player was cramping on the floor, a lot of injury time. And so that takes a toll as well. I was talking to my cousin, whoman earlier after the, the first set of matches, and he said Iran didn't exert too much energy against England because the scoreline was so bad and, and Wales and U.S. were going at it. So Iran's going to come out motivated and fresh, and sure enough, You know, fall back
3: to your point. That's what happened. Yeah, uh, I think it might be a bit more tense for the U.S. game. Uh, But the U.S. just got done facing England themselves, which we'll get to. Uh, But for the time being, just what just stood out so much is how it felt like we had golden chance, earned golden chance after earned golden chance. We could not find the back of the net. Sardar played his butt off despite coming off that calf, nagging calf that he's uh, been recovering from one or two voices and in in different Iranian media saying they're just exaggerating he, that not actually fit. He won't actually even be there. Karish uh, is just sticking him around. And, well, we saw him against uh, England. We saw him today. He should have had two goals. Uh, how how good was it to see his co- cohesion uh, with the midfielders, with Tarami, with Holizade, Zadeh, uh, and uh, despite the fact that he did not get a goal, guys?
5: I think um, it's obvious that he's still not fully fit, but the way he played, he worked his socks off. It was honestly a fantastic performance, considering that he's not kicked the competitive ball for two months now. And before that, honestly, he was picking up five minutes here, 10 minutes there for Bayer Leverkusen for quite a long time. So it was a magnificent effort. It brings out the best of Tarami by having a partner up front, something he lacked in the first game by being the focal point. So uh, the link-up was very good. Tarami could drop into a number 10 or play between the lines. And actually... That led to Toremi having eight key passes in the game. That's the highest in the whole World Cup. and that's not easy to that's not easy to muster or or, or create for for opponents. So with Sardar, I'm just hopeful that the he didn't uh, re-aggravate the injury and he's able to play against the US and potentially start Yeah yeah, uh, uh, yeah Aria, go that's...
2: ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, um, look, Sardar, he is a very important player for us. He's a striker who is required in any team. You know, he gives you that target man uh, ability. He can hold the ball, but he's also, he can run in behind. He can score goals and he can create chances for himself and for his teammates. So he's a very important player. Yes, he's struggling with for former Leverkusen. Yes, he's had injury issues. But despite that, he can cause issues for anybody. So hopefully he's fit for the US game. Um but it's interesting because in this game, you can see that he played, has chose to once again play Tarami as a left winger, essentially, coming inside, joining Tar- Osmond in the attack. And I think for me personally, and I think this is just my personal I would like to see the team more built around Tarami. I think Tarami's got a, a bit more to offer than Osmond. I think Osmond's a fantastic striker, but I think Tarami's becoming a player who can be so complete. Um, and I think he can he can do things in the final third that can be impactful in the game. Now, obviously, playing him as a left winger gives him more space to come inside and create chances. At times, I would like to see him play close to Osmond. You could argue that that cancels each other out because they're too close. To, you know, there's lack of space in that final third, potentially, to too close to each other. But at the same time, there are moments where you want Osmond and Torme to be close to each other because you want to link up. So... I hope against the US, considering I think the US's defence aren't quite as strong as the, the Welsh and the English defence, in my opinion, maybe that could be an opportunity for us to go and, and capitalise on that. We'll see what happens.
3: Yeah, Stephen, what, what were your thoughts on the, the, the build-up and how uh, Iran seemed to take command in the attacking, half-attacking third a lot of the times with Tarmi and Azmoon both playing together the first time in a while, we saw them uh, truly together. England, you know, towards the last few minutes, but what do you think of this one?
4: Yeah, I think Osmond is a fantastic player. I think he's had a fantastic career. Uh, when I was, uh, you know, with Iran in 2014, I remember uh, scouts for Liverpool were intrigued by Osman. and You know, he was very young at the time. He still is, you know, fairly young. But, uh, you know, Bobak mentioned it. He hasn't had a lot of time with uh, Byron Leverkusen right now. He's not fully fit. He did pick up an injury. And um, do I think he could have helped uh, Iran against England? Maybe a little bit. But again, I think the outside pressure was too much. Uh, They couldn't focus. uh, And I don't blame them. Uh, but I really like the partnership with uh, Tarmi this last game against Wales. Uh, you know, I think it just takes pressure off one, one another. You have one constantly running behind. You have one, uh, you know, holding up a lot of times Iran maybe didn't have the connection in the midfield. So they had to go direct. And you have two target strikers that are able to, to hold off the Welsh defenders and lay it off to, to, you know, on running midfielders. And so, when you have something like that, uh, it's very difficult uh, as the opposition to defend, because you're constantly worried about the ball behind, because you don't want to let a breakaway go at midfield, uh, and then uh, you try to get tight, but they're big guys; they're they're able to hold it up. So it's it's very difficult to defend. You know, as a defender, I've I've dealt with that with good forwards who. Who are quick can run behind but also are big, strong, and can hold up uh, hold up play. So um I think that partnership was really good today from them.
2: Steven, what do you think of the performance of of on uh, today at right back? Do you think he he proved himself to be a starter against the US?
4: Yeah it's it's tough with uh everybody's performance that first game against England uh you can't say one one person played well um uh, you know uh I think the guys who came in they, they had energy, not just the guys who came in, but also the guys who started against England. So, when the players around you play well, it, it's a lot easier for you to play well. You know, I don't think you could say one player on Iran today played poorly. I honestly don't. Uh, even the substitutes who came on. Uh, I think Gozadeh uh, was fantastic. A lot of energy. I know uh, John Bosch came off from last game and, uh, you know, Gozadeh came in and you know, the first goal he scored was offside, but uh, his energy, the defensive pressure, the, the offensive pressure he put on Wales every time just dribbling at them and, and backing them up and the runs behind, I, I just, I thought it was great. And, uh, you know, uh, Rami's just consistent runs forward. I think that also puts pressure on Wales. Uh, you know, I, I think maybe the fullbacks uh, might be a little bit more reserved against the U.S., because of the circumstances, you know, a tie could be good enough. Um, I think this game, they just went all out. They had to win. They had to prove a point, and they did that.
3: Well,
5: yeah, go ahead, Bobak. I'm just going to add, I mean, it's no secret that I'm a big big fan of Ramin Rezaian. I think he's a big game player. He always shows up in the big games. He sets the tone, puts... He keeps on putting his niggly feet behind other players. He gets away with a lot of it. You know, he's, he's he's the kind of guy you want on your side. I don't think he's ever let Carlos down. He's probably punching above his weight when it comes to ability. But he's done it against Spain. He's done it against Portugal in the last World Cup. And again, today, I think he sort of set the tone of aggression, being on the front foot, getting into the opponent's half, like Stephen was saying. It's not just... Doing the defensive stuff but he was really one of the furthest forward players i looked at the heat map of the team and ramin was in midfield like quite high on towards the right wing almost and that's quite adventurous or aggressive by carlos kira standards yeah so i think overall i everyone played well like steven said but there's one or two who probably just about stood out and there's no chance that carlos is going to drop ramin after that performance
3: yeah, I want to move on real real uh, quickly to uh, the substitute play because uh, we saw Ruzbe Cheshmi come in. And I got to be honest, I was shaking my head when he came in. Like, really? The last – we couldn't get some fine minutes for Saman? He, I mean, the guy plays against some of these Welsh players. He plays against some of the English players. Uh, instead, we saw Ali Kermi come in for uh, uh, Ezatulahi. Ruzbashashmi coming in for Noar Lahi when he got some cramps, got tired. Um, Torabi came in for Haj Safi. Thought that was uh, interesting. Uh, Jahan Baksh uh, came in for Ali Khuli uh, Zadeh. Got a yellow card. Uh, it was towards the 90th minute. He's going to miss the US match. That's another asset Iran will be without. Uh, and for Sardar, uh, Kareem Ansari Fard uh, came in and from my perspective it seemed like the offensive cohesion kind of slowed down a bit despite reinforcements as the game went on And even though with the red card and then finally the, the breakthrough came. I'm curious to know uh, you guys' thoughts. Arya, what do you think of the subs?
2: That's natural, you know, it's, it's not going to be, they need to get into the game a little bit before things to speed up again to get to the speed of the game I think naturally guys like Jahan Baksh, Carrie Manser are not going to be the, the quickest players in the world, they're not going to become, you know, Usain Bolt all of a sudden and just start taking men on. So we didn't expect that. But as the game went on, as the red card happened, which was the biggest, probably the biggest turning point in the game, as that red card happened and um, Hennessy went off, it kind of changed the game completely because then there was a lot of space in the final third. Um, yeah, Milad Mohamed, he could bomb forward. Ramir Zoyan got forward. Uh, Taremi was playing as, a, as an inverted Tor-Abi. player now. Tor-Abi. Yeah, Tor-Abi. Uh, yeah, he was causing them. 100%. Him. And
3: by the way, who else thought that after what happened to Baron Vaughn, we'd be like, oh, God, here we go again. Maybe Taremi getting a concussion. But he seemed fine, which is very huge.
1: Yeah, he's the I best should...
5: player to win penalties yeah. in all of Europe. So yeah. if you look at it in slow motion, I'm not <laughs> going to say he was a little bit cheeky about it, but he knew exactly he what he was it. doing. And he cushioned his head almost somewhere in the middle of the chest. Yeah. Despite
3: getting a knee to
2: the head? I don't think it was quite a knee. It was more like his thigh. But um, it was a nice uh, little bit of, uh, bit of uh, you know, he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. For, you know, I think it was a good, good bit of play. And obviously, uh, I think the turning point in the game, for sure. Yeah, Steve, what do you think when that happened?
4: Yeah, uh, obviously, uh, they put pressure the entire game right? They deserve that win. I actually think the mistake was on Wales when that happened because they continued to play kind of the same, uh, and then it just opened up way too much. Uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. A couple of times Wales had those attacks, and I'm looking, I'm like, man, they got four or five people up in the attack. There's only four or five people back, and the whole midfield was just empty. And so it was a little back and forth. Uh, there were moments where Wales actually had a chance to to sniff one out, but if they didn't, and they didn't, Iran came flying through with, you know, almost an even break from half field, just go at it. And really? uh, the, the goal was just, they, they deserved the goal. But um, I, I think honestly, the mistake came from Wales, and not being content. You know what, we're a man down now. Iran has been the better team for 85 minutes. Let's just concede, take the tie, and try to, to do something against England in the final game. But they really shot themselves in the foot with that tactical mistake. I
2: think they, they made some very attacking changes. Wills. They brought on uh Brennan Johnson for Connor Roberts who's naturally a right wing back. Cause uh, and Johnson's an, an, a striker basically. And they brought on Daniel James for Harry Wilson, another winger for a midfielder, which was very, very attack minded, you know, approach. And I think as soon as they did that, they've committed themselves. Now they have to go and try and win the game and, and try and score goals. They're not really going to sit back and defend with those players on the pitch. So that caused, as you're mentioning, Stephen, them to be more at risk of making mistakes, and they made a massive mistake, and that's what happened. They got the red card, and I think, I think that's just um, it could be the 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 inexperience of the coach, Rob Page, could be that. Obviously, Ryan Giggs uh, lost his job. Rob Page came in for him. It could be that inexperience potentially, and Carlos Caroș knew what he was doing towards the end of the game, so he made the right changes. But you know, I think um, you know, we capitalised on it.
5: I think I think you said it right, naivety, a little bit of naivety, plus knowing they play England last, that a draw today is gonna to be unlikely to be enough for them, which is pretty realistic to be honest with you but yeah they played into our hands after the red card i was surprised just like steven I, I was surprised how much space they were giving us because they were still going for the win and it played into our hands and ultimately whilst we didn't score because of that in the first goal at least because there was it was a shot off a set play and then there was a crowded penalty area but ultimately it was that kind of pressure which uh paid off for us yeah
3: and of course, uh, what I want to get to next, guys, uh, is the uh, fantastic moment of, of dare I say, really it's from Cheshmi, of all players, of all on-field characters that we saw, the most unlikely individual. I got to be honest, I I didn't think he was doing particularly well. I thought he was chasing a lot when he was in. Then he had the ball and took a shot from twenty five yards out. I was, I didn't have my hopes up.
2: I never then, knew he had it in, in his locker. I never knew he had that kind of. Oh hit my god! Because he, he he kind of he kind of set it up. He, he took it inside and he absolutely whacked it into the bottom corner, which what well, isn't really the kind of play you expect from a guy like Rose Chesney, who's more mm. of like a a big header of the ball. He's just going to be a a stationary figure, but to cut inside and and to just. Smack into the bottom corner. Unbelievable, you know, really good finish. And uh, I think it's going to be a great moment for his career. You know, I think it's his second national team goal now. But that's just going to be one of his, uh, when he gets older, it's going to be one of those moments where he's just going to think back to, like, you know, wow, I did that in the World Cup.
3: You know, it kind of reminded me of, it kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, off a set piece, off a corner kick, the rebound outside the penalty area. Uh, it reminded me of one of those garbage balls go lassoed in by a guy named Stephen Bateshore. You've done that a couple times.
4: A couple, no, once.
3: <laughs> well, I, we definitely remember I, it.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not much of a goal scorer. I'm more of an assister. So it's funny when when Cheshmi scored that goal right before, I'm screaming, don't shoot. Because there was three or four right before that, the guys are shooting from 25, 30 out. And I am just an odds person. The odds of those going in are way less likely than slipping someone into the box getting runners in and then a hard driven ball either behind the whales defenders or cutbacks. So for me, I, my wife was saying right there. I'm like,
2: That's why you're not a striker, Steven. That's why you're not a striker. Yeah, look,
4: that's okay. You know, you can't have uh, everybody be a striker. You need some.
2: But neither is Ruzbe. Neither is Ruzbe, the defensive midfielder or or a center back. So that's why I was like, why
4: are you shooting? But it went in. But to be fair, we had
5: some decent shots today. Like Nurulahi had a couple of good shots on target. Saeed scored. So from distance, the accuracy was pretty okay today. But I was also like, you saying, don't shoot, don't waste a chance. And yeah. I couldn't believe it when it hit the back of the net because it's, it's like straight, it was so crowded in the middle that you just yeah. could not imagine it goes through. Yeah,
4: I personally wanted them to overload the the flanks a little bit more. Uh, Mohamedy was getting some great runs. Rami was getting some great runs. A lot of times they didn't necessarily play the fullbacks to cross the ball in, uh, but you know, Wales at that point was a man down. So we had a couple shots outside the box. I'm like, that's going through a lot of traffic and um, you know, possibly back what you said about the fatigue. The game opened up, and maybe they didn't stick their legs out because of fatigue. Maybe they just let it go. Um, maybe thinking the goalie would save it, but uh, it ended up working out for Iran.
2: Yeah, what? because they were they were playing a, a back five uh, Wales, and there was a lot of two two against ones on the on the flanks. You know, there were a lot of times where you had Gaudis coming instead of Romer's line going on the overlap, but they didn't actually play him in. I think you're absolutely right, but you know this is what happens sometimes you know they t- 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 take a chance and score a goal and and we did that it was an unbelievable finish
3: well regardless guys think of this long term it's probably going to go down as the best team of league world cup goal uh until the next game hopefully um although you know arguably another player rival that just 2 minutes later wales kind of uh, you know had nothing else to lose and you know Played the ball up, same thing, disorganized, lost the ball. Counterattack, team, uh, uh, Well, I believe it was Taremi who laid it off to Rezayan. and he finishes. How you just knew he was going to do something cheeky and. It was swag,
5: a little chip. Razan oh. scored a lot of goals in Qatar. He was playing as a forward, winger, etc. cetera. He scored quite a lot of goals. But I didn't know that was Ramin. When the chip, I thought it was Torabi. It, you just don't imagine a right back doing that. So confident, so cool to chip it over the keeper. I thought it was Torabi first. But then when I realized it's Ramin, I was extra happy for him.
3: It's good to see a right back finishing those off, huh, Steven?
5: Yeah, uh, as long as it went in, I was
4: happy. I, I didn't realize it was wrong in either. Um, just because Wales had just had the attack uh, and kind of had an opportunity. I think uh, the left back for Iran made a little bit of a deflection block and they went running. Uh, all of a sudden it was a four on three for Iran. So um, look, uh, every goal counts now. So that goal was huge when you look at the tiebreakers. Let's just say... Uh, Wales beats England somehow, it's going to be pretty messy as far as the tie goes. So every goal yeah. counts.
2: Got to give uh, Tormier some credit in that goal as well. He, he did really well to, to hold off the defender, really drove forward with for a lot of speed, you know, because obviously towards the end of the game, everyone's going to be tired, not going to be at your highest uh, optimum level, but he managed to hold off the defender, play him in. And it was like one of those goals where, you know, sometimes you have so much space, you actually miss it. Sometimes, because you just you know you think you've got too much time and you just hit it, but it was a greatly uh, great comp- uh, composure by Ramu Rezayan sure.
5: I- I'm gonna throw something out there. If we make the second round, Mehdi Tarami is within a shout of being the best ever Iranian footballer in history. I'm gonna say that.
2: Well, I, I know think he it's... doesn't have
5: the, the the aura of Ali Dai or sure. the or the I don't know the mysticism of Ali Karimi but big game player the way his career has progressed doing it in Portugal doing it in the Champions League the
2: World Cup. and now
5: in the World Cup I think he really has a shot if we are progressing
2: yeah. well Sahan said it in the last in the last podcast you know I mean look at his his career statistics I mean he's really been fantastic in the portuguese league you know every every single season he's been he's been in the top goal scorer discussion he got a push cash award uh, nomination which i mean mate that goal was ridiculous against chelsea i mean you don't you don't score goals like that unless you're a top top player and you know he he did that and now he's doing it in the world cup if he if he scores against the us he's in that discussion for sure i think no doubt about it
5: and and I I guarantee you there's a lot of scouts that are impressed by him now, but then surprised when they see he's 30 years old. And that's going to count against him. I still think that he's probably got one move. He could be a ready-made player for maybe a Man United. Seems like a big name, but someone like Berbatov when he came at the tail end of his career, or Zola when he went to Chelsea. So there's still a potential for him to go to one bigger stage somewhere. Yeah, and uh, who who would begrudge him because he's really earned it. He's really earned it.
2: Stephen, you played with um, Reza Ajad obviously at the 2014 World Cup, and that squad. Our strikers were him and Kaiman far who at the time wasn't particularly at the top of his career. Do you think now with Tarimi the way he's playing, he's he's really secured himself as one of the best we've had had in that position for a long time, or you still think there's a little bit, bit to go?
4: Uh, no, I definitely think he he is. Uh, he's played on the biggest stages. He's played for Porto. He scored some unbelievable Champions League goals. He's now scored in World Cup games. Uh, you know, I think maybe he was a little unselfish today. Some of the chances. I, I don't know who mentioned it, Arya or Bobek, about the chances he's created. Uh, you know, a little unselfish for a striker, but he makes the right choices. You know, it's not just about him. He, he does what he's asked and uh, you know, that, that layoff for that second goal, it was a great decision. Uh, he had two players wide open. I don't know who the other player was uh, it might've been jahanbash Bosch, but, uh, but yeah, he he's, he's a fantastic player. I think Oswin is also a fantastic player who doesn't get enough uh, uh, credit. I think he's criticized a little too much by fans, but uh He's he's another player that you know I think uh, Iran is very fortunate to have such quality within those two.
2: I will add on Tarami, towards the end of the game. If you watch him closely, whenever we miss chances or Ahmad Norla, he's doing his one like thirty-yard shots from distance. You can see he's he's frustrated. He's 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 demanding more from his teammates. He wants them to to be effective, not give away silly shots. I think there was a moment where Milad Mohamadi misses his cross and he, he just goes for a goal kick and he starts going ballistic at him. And I think rightly so, because he's expecting his teammates to perform at a high level. He's he's playing at a high level, he's playing for Porto, Champions League, and I think he's bringing this national team to a higher standard. He's he's setting standards for his teammates, which is very important to have a player like him. If you have a player like Tarami who's who's set a standard for himself, but then he's trying to uh, put that onto his teammates and he's doing it he's doing it well you know his teammates are now performing well I think that's very important for this national team.
5: There's a reason Carlos had him sitting next to him at the press conference before the biggest game in our history I think he chose Mehdi Taremi to sit next to him to field those tough questions yeah he's he's really grown into a quiet leader into that in that team leading by example leading by words whatever you want to say you're absolutely right his body language his uh, like Steven said, the choices he makes. He makes the right choices on the pitch almost every time, except when he has a rush of blood and gets red, silly red cards here and there.
3: Guys, I, I want to ask uh, as well, um, I, I'm not sure if y'all saw this, but uh, Ramin uh, spoke to the media afterwards, gave a message in English uh, to the Iranian fans in public. Uh, we're going to play that right here.
0: You said you have to say, This goal was a
2: gift for my people in Iran, especially who are suffering. And I wanna share one thing with my with my people. And I wanna know one thing, everyone in the world, I wanna know one thing about my people in Iran. They are best.
5: They are so good, they are so kind, they are so intelligent. They are so good, good into everything. And we are here to do what we can just for them, as we can make them
0: with even a little bit happy. This is what we're gonna do it. And we are here together, to make them happy and they should know one everyone
2: everyone has oh. loved okay? love them thank you that was a great thing to see, especially after having the pretty much the game of his life I, I think it was very important for him because um you know he, he he actually put a post on Instagram he said i think in in Farsi along the lines of like i didn't know to cry or or to celebrate during that that goal celebration and I think he Romero is always a bit of an emotional guy anyway but I think he he brings a level of of how do I innocence. say it? innocence yes to to his his approach to the game and just off the pitch and I think uh, it's good to see him 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 say that because I think uh, you don't normally see that from footballers or, or from any football honest, that he's shown that kind of he's he's really passionate to to give the love to, to the fans and I think um it's good to see him do that uh, there's
3: plenty of headlines to go around this game off off the pitch as well uh we saw before the match the players did actually lip the national anthem i i'm curious so uh, uh bob echo what did you think when you saw that and just in, in general i mean they scored the 99th and 101st freaking minute to beat wales of course you're going to celebrate a little of that and then what uh, they said after the game. What Ramin said after the game. What do you think, Balak?
5: It's emotions in that moment. You're scoring a match-winning goal right on the brink of being out of the World Cup. There's so much bottled emotions over the last weeks and maybe months, and f- for people to expect them not to celebrate, it's 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 not realistic. It's not it's not the way people are. You react instinctively in that moment, and when you have happiness and joy, your brain is not even thinking about. For example, what's going on back home or not? So I'm I'm totally against players who even don't celebrate because they scored against their previous club because it's so artificial and so you you gotta be who you are. Whatever you feel comes out. So for me, of course, I was celebrating like crazy in the living room as well. I'm sure every one of you guys were too as well. So it's it's just a human instinct.
0: A-
3: anything else? Uh, uh... Uh, Steve, I, I'm curious for you guys' reaction to seeing that, just how everything built up from the first match and then well, look, how it ended. They,
2: they They didn't sing the national anthem against England. We didn't, and that was clearly a show of protest, right? There's no doubt about that. This game they did, and some of them maybe lipped it, maybe some of them sang it. We don't know what happened behind the scenes. We don't know. Maybe maybe they were there were threatened to do so because obviously Vorya uh got arrested yesterday from reports in, in Iran. That could be a, a reason why. Again, I'm not trying to make excuses for everybody. It's, it's their choice. They can do whatever they really want, right? But at the same time, uh, things are happening behind the scenes that we don't know about. So um, I just hope that the play, players are safe when they go back home and there's no issues for them.
3: No matter what, there's going to be so much to talk about. So much buildup on and off the field now and and past 1998, now 1979, 1953, all leading up to the final group match to, to decide who goes home and who advances. Iran the chance to do it for the first time, and for the U.S. they uh, with the draw against England, uh, I believe they they now have to have to beat Iran. Right? They have to beat Iran. So pressure's on the U.S. They're going to be giving all they've got. They already did it against England. Um, and from Iran's perspective, this is also a little bit of a measuring stick just to gauge how this World Cup is. You had one crap game. You had one great game. And now <laughs> you play against USA to decide if you uh, fulfill your uh, goals. Karish's goals, Haasafi's goal, his last World Cup, uh, uh, several guys' last World Cup. This is the peak of this generation of players. Stephen, what do you think is going through their mind right now as they set forward for the U.S.?
4: Yeah, um, I think they're still riding a high from that great victory against Wales. Um, And I think tomorrow uh, they're going to have to refocus get the bodies right Um, they exerted a lot of energy uh, mentally and physically against Wales and uh, it's going to be it's going to be a tough game against the United States who have to win Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see if they kind of sit back or do they press all over the field like they did against Wales because it worked Um, you know I think if you watch back the Wales US game uh, US played very well in the first half and then they sat back in the second half once they had that goal and then Wales looked better in the second half so it's going to be a a lot of tactics for the coaches it's going to be a fun game to watch Uh, it's going to be intriguing exciting for everybody uh, both sides so looking forward to it
3: yeah just some details uh, on that guys just so we all know it'll be at 10 p.m local time on November 29th 7 p.m in the UK 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or Daylight Time, whatever it is, and 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific Time, and then 12 if you're in Denver Mountain Time, uh, like Stephen, or maybe you're back in California. <laughs> uh,
4: 12, 12 for me.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, and one o'clock for Central Standard Time. Uh, before we pr- proceed with that, uh, we had we had an interview with ex U.S. men's national team player Heath Pierce. Well,
2: take a listen right here. Joined by my good friend Heath Pierce of the In Soccer We Trust podcast and a former U.S. men's national team player. Heath, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be uh, be on the other end and look forward to this conversation. Uh,
2: Heath, obviously, USA played against England. Uh, a very uh, kind of cagey game, where both teams, uh, you know, didn't really do much. I think England, USA, had better chances. They had, you know, they really outperformed England. What do you think of the game as a whole?
1: Yeah, I thought it was a, a sort of a, a coming of age moment for this young American squad. Obviously, we've seen flashes of them. We know the quality of the individual player We've because we see them playing at the clubs that they're playing, a different type of player than we've ever had in our player pool. But to see them come out against England, obviously, first 10 minutes, I thought they are okay. And then there was this sort of 10 to 20-minute period, 10th to 20th minute period, where I thought they're a little nervous. They're looking. They're arriving late. England had a, had a few looks, um... At the goal, and then from there they kind of just woke up and and had this uh, overwhelming belief that they can compete with England, who are obviously not just the group favorite, but one of the favorites to win the entire tournament. And I think that was a moment similar to to, to Iran. I think in their second game where we just saw a different side of them. We saw something, and now our, our our curiosity is is this the new normal, right? Is this the new level that they're capable of playing at, or is this the, the, the cliche of on their day, they can compete with anyone. And that's what we want to see. But there were some tactical changes, obviously, went with almost the same team, uh, only one change between the first game and the second game, uh, but played some tactical differences, playing more with two strikers up top, a little bit more of a hybrid system, which I think worked really well. Now, when I think about um, the U.S. having to play against uh, Iran in that situation, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to sort of see the way Iran comes out, knowing that they have been known to sit back But a lot of their chances and a lot of their uh, balls won that created goal scoring opportunities were one higher up the field, forcing turnovers higher up the pitch. And so we've seen that they can counter in a a few different areas. So it's going to be interesting to see how the U.S. and and Iran match up in that match.
2: Yeah, you mentioned the one change in this in this game. It was Haji Wright who came in um, for Sargent. How do you think he got on and do you think he's going to be? The, the number nine going forward because the, 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 all the things that we said before the, the World Cup where the you know, USA don't have a number nine they don't have a striker do you think he's he's brought that role into into his own?
1: Well, I think he was solid in a lot of ways of being active, but I still think we're struggling at the number nine spot. I think a lot of fans now, after seeing uh, Timothy Wea sort of play as a hybrid next to him as as a second striker, uh, give us hope that maybe they they roll out Timothy Wea as the high uh, striker in this one that allows us to get a Brendan Aronson on the field or a, a Gio Reyna and really go with more of an attacking lineup, knowing that Timothy way over the last two games has shown his ability to get in behind the back line, his willingness to make those darting diagonal runs that typical of a striker, although more often than not, it's, it's started from wider areas. So I think that's where I would like to see it. I think a lot of us would like to see that as a lineup because Josh Sargent hasn't really worked out. Haji Wright, I think was okay, but again, hasn't really provided. We need somebody who's capable of scoring a goal on their own. Uh, And neither of them, I think have proven it so far, though. I do think they've put in solid shifts. Um, I, I'm I'm hoping we get a, a Timothy Way up top because of his pace, his technical ability, and just his natural ability to make really good runs along that back line.
2: Yeah, let let's rewind a little bit. Obviously, uh, you guys played against Wales. Uh, that game, I think the first half it was definitely all all the US. Wales got back into it in the second half. Um, You saw the Iran against England game where we lost 6-2. What do you make of that? You know, obviously we've beaten, we've just beaten uh, Wales 2-0. What do you make of that uh, going into the next game against Iran?
1: Yeah, it's tough to say. You know, I think, weirdly when you look at the first half as you mentioned for uh, against wales the u.s were really good second half they made wales made some tactical changes made a big substitution bringing a big body up top that i thought occupied the center backs started to allow the attacking players to come up underneath and create some danger for the u.s but really the goals came from from a gift from from walker zimmerman making that mistake to give the penalty now when i think about iran in their first game um england were very good i thought the u.s did a better job of, of sort of Um, stifling some of those things that made uh, England good. Obviously, always easier in the second game to look at an analysis of a team and and, and try to make those improvements. Uh, But then when you look at Iran in their second game uh, against Wales, they were just so patient at the right times. And again, they weren't sitting back too deep with standing pressure. There were times that they were higher up the field and their blocks were maybe mid blocks around the the center circle or a little bit higher. And that allowed them to win balls as well. But the one thing that's consistent throughout is that if you do overcommit, if you are overexposed or unbalanced, whether Iran is sitting back or they're higher up the field, they are two or three passes away from being in and around your box and being dangerous. And that's going to be something, when I think about our center backs, Walker Zimmerman, Tim Ream, who have played these first two games, not the greatest at speed and transition. So perhaps there's a, there's an opportunity for a change there. But it's going to be a great matchup. And I think there's a belief from Iran right now that they can beat anybody. Obviously, there's much larger um, – things at play for this Iranian side in terms of their inspiration in terms of uh, things going on back home we heard some of those those speeches taking place I grew up uh, in California with with hundreds of Iranians as well that I've spoken to around this and it's you can feel this newfound belief not just because they got the result but the way in which they got the result and for the U.S. Yes, they got a point only against uh, England. Yes, uh, they've given up four points that I think were, were, were winnable points or they should be on six points right now in a perfect world they were there, that were there for the taking. Both teams have this new belief going into this round that they want this matchup, right? They want to go into this matchup thinking, if we can win this game, we will go through. Obviously, Iran has different circumstances in the way that they can advance, but, uh, but the U.S. side uh, liking their chances against Iran in this one to be able to go into the knockout rounds.
2: Again, you're playing against um, Iran, USA. Iran, big game. Nineteen ninety eight World Cup question always gets asked. I'm sure it does uh, regarding this game. Um, I'm not I'm not going to ask you will that play any impact, but how how important is this game for these two nations from ex- externally? Obviously, from a football perspective, we know it's important because whoever if they win this game, they get to the second round. But outside of that, is there any? Do you think that, that Importance plays into this game at all?
1: Uh, you mean ninety eight specifically?
2: Yeah, ninety eight. Uh, you know, political stuff. All, do you think that kind of plays into it at all, or or no? It's all going to be football on Tuesday.
1: Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, it's 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 always a tense matchup. We've seen matches cancelled between the U.S. and Iran in the past um because of political uh things obviously if you grew up in the u.s you you can't help but probably spend some time especially on the west coast um with iranian people who are great and lovely some of my my two best friends growing up are are iranian um but there is always that that little bit of that that uh pride of 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 home that goes on with that so i think there will be some i don't say i want to say elevated tensions i think if anything uh previous tensions don't tie to now right we're talking about iran and and the human rights issues uh, uh for women um and, and and equality amongst people and i think that's a universal um belief that's happening and maybe universal belief isn't 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 the the truth but at least in in my circles i think we we all align with the way that the iranian people feel and the way that they're they're trying to push the nation forward and and, and grow um and be more pro- progressive for the future just in terms of simple su- simple rights and and so I think, if anything, that, that brings a bond uh, to these two national teams and, and, and less so about the, the, the past that may have been more politically, uh, politically driven or, or more tension. I think, if anything, this is a uniter in terms of how I know those players are feeling and how our U.S. men's national team is feeling at the moment as well.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with that, 100%. Um, okay, coming to the match itself then, um, very important. If Iran get a draw from this game or, or a tie, uh, if England beat Wales – Iran go through if Iran beat USA they can potentially even finish first place depending on that Wales England game. USA must win this game, right? So what what are you what are you wanting to see from the from the US team and, and how do you think it will go?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Obviously, we saw two different sides and for a long time we've yet to see the US put together a complete performance. I thought this was the closest thing to it against England, but obviously when you look back at it, you say yeah, is it was the result a little bit easier because they knew that Iran had won earlier in the day, so it was always going to come down to the final match? Could they play more free? Were there some circumstances at play that made that game uh, play out differently? And then on top of that, we look at it as a great result, but it's still left two points on the table there. So when I think about this final game, I'm hoping they bring that same mentality, that fearlessness that we saw from those players, that unity that we've seen them building over the last couple of months, and then that individual performances. Obviously, you want to see that all come together in a culmination uh, in a game that's going to have high stakes and, and, and high pressure. So I think the U.S. will be prepared. I think my one question or my one concern about this uh, U.S. men's national team right now is, in-game management from Greg Berhalter is he making the right subs at the right times is he leaving it too late is he is he bringing in players too early are they the right players i think He got the tactics really, really right uh, against England. But in terms of the impact of those players coming in off the bench, we've seen just how important they are at any level, let alone a World Cup when you're playing um, in these types of conditions in terms of the weather, the humidity, the heat. Uh, Can you bring on those sparks that could potentially win you that game? And I think that's the part that I think is going to be the difference um, whether or not the U.S. is up or not um, going into the second half against Iran.
2: Go on then, Heath. Give us your prediction for this game, and uh, where do you think the the final standings are going to be in Group B? Oh,
1: you're gonna you're gonna bring me on to an Iranian podcast and ask for my prediction on, before playing against the U.S. Uh, <laughs> man, uh, well, first of all, thank you for bringing me on, Golbazan. I'm, I'm a huge fan, and obviously love love having you on on our appreciate show. It. Yeah, um, appreciate in soccer it. We trust, yeah, but really but do. I would say for me, this is this is a uh, what I think will be a tight match. Obviously, I believe the U.S. will win this one. Uh, And based on the way that they played against England alone, if they can approach the game in that same way, have that same sort of hybrid tactical approach in terms of systems of play based on where they are on the field, whether they're playing with a single striker or two strikers, I think the U.S. will come out on top. I think there's a fearlessness and a confidence right now in this U.S. side. So I'm going to say 2-1 for the U.S. I think the U.S. still finished 2nd. Uh, into the group, um, and it'll be interesting to see who they match up with uh, in in the second round. Obviously, I, I believe you you feel differently, but before before you you let me go, I gotta get your prediction on this match as well.
2: Well, we'll give it on the on the podcast, but I'll give it to you exclusively, uh, Heath. I'm uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a, a tie. I'm gonna say one one, uh, maybe maybe one one zero. I I'm not sure. You know, it's it's gonna be one of those games where it will be a low low scoreline i think both teams are going to be very strong defensively on purpose mm-hmm. just because they don't want to concede goals at this late in the in the group stage match but yeah. i think um it's just going to be an interesting I'm actually really excited for this game. Though I'm, I'm happy that yeah. this game is going to the wire. You know, it's not one of those games where it doesn't really make a difference what happens. It's, it's a very important game, so I'm just happy that the, yeah. the Iran USA game, when we got it in the in the in the draw, we were like, you know, hopefully this game is going to be meaningful, and it is. It's meaningful.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I, th- I think it's it's a hugely meaningful game, and obviously what we've seen is is Iran uh, capable of obviously in in earlier on in the match had the goal called back against Wales for an offside call but being willing to go and punish whoever is able to punish uh, a bad mistake I think is going to be the difference because they sit in those defensive setups if there are those opportunities to capitalize whoever's going to be more clinical in those few moments whether it's one or two moments in the game I think could be the difference because I don't think there's going to be a lot of wide open play or or exposure to teams being able to sort of Walking walk into the goal and score multiple goals.
2: Absolutely. Heath, I really appreciate your time for coming on. Um, again, uh, th- thanks for being on your podcast. Well, in Soccer, we trust. Uh, where can they find you?
1: Um, they can find me personally at Heath Pierce uh, across all social media. And then obviously, IS, uh, ISWT pod on Twitter is where most of our conversations happen for our show. And shout out to the Iranian people. I love all of you and uh, I look forward to this match.
3: All right then, Arya. Bearing all this in mind, what does Iran have to do uh, to resist the U.S.?
2: Yeah, look, this U.S. team is is very strong. Um, they have some fantastic young players, and for that reason, we can say on paper they're a very strong team. They've looked really good against Wales. They look fantastic against the, against the English national team. But they also have some weaknesses. I think there's no doubt about it. Um, they showed it in qualification that they can be a team that struggles, um, especially with teams that maybe, uh, sit back and really don't get put pressure on them. Um, England didn't do a lot of that today. They didn't show a lot of uh, fight in this game. They kind of looked a bit flat. England and maybe they would did blown, uh, all of their uh energy out against England. Uh, poten- Sorry, against Iran potentially, but. At the same time, I think for Iran, they can be uh, slightly fresh, but obviously there are some injuries. You know, there's Osmo, Nourlahi, Eilatolahi. If these guys can become fit for this game, it could be a good game for Iran. I think we have to be very good defensively. They have great attackers. Uh, They've got great pace, the US team, especially on the wings. Pulisic, uh, Weah looking very strong in this World Cup. If they can be good on the defensive part of their of their game, in the attack, I trust Taremi to to get us a goal in this game. Balak,
5: I think we have to approach the game very similar to how we approached the Wales game. Um, probably a little bit less aggressive out of the blocks from this, and let us take the onus and take the game to us because that's going to play to our advantage. We're a counter attacking team, as we saw let's say, the best of us, especially in the second half when Wales were really pushing on and leaving a lot of space behind. So I would say same approach. Forget about the England game. Forget about the Wales game. Hungry, aggressive. Uh, try to win all the 50-50s, like Stephen said. Uh, it's important. I think they are they have a very good midfield. McKennie, Adams and Musa. that's a very good midfield. So we might need to beef up that area a little bit Uh, if we want to go head-to-head or toe-to-toe with them. Uh, Weak links, I think, probably a little bit in the centre-back area. Maybe Dest isn't the best defending, going backwards. So there are places for us to exploit, but they have a lot of pace and they're very fast. They they transition from defence to attack very quickly, uh, probably a little bit like England, not today, but England, the way they played against us. So we have to be, like like Arya said, on our best defensive behavior
3: yes yeah, Stephen, you played against some of these u.s players you've seen them up close and personal and you also have seen greg bearhalter uh what do you know of this team
4: yeah obviously i'm more familiar with the u.s team uh, born and raised living here a lot of the players i played with against um, and so it's you know if you watch the the past eight to 10 games for the U S they've struggled to attack Uh, a lot of zero, zero games. Um, uh, Some critics would say kind of boring games. They don't uh, attack as much as the fans would like. Um, And so now the pressure is on the U S because they have to win. Um, You know, I I'm more curious to see how Iran comes out because right now a draw barring some crazy result with Wales and England and they're in. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see the tactical strategy that both managers play. Um, and obviously, the players will bring the energy. I have no doubt in that. But it's going to be interesting to see what the what the coaches from both sides do.
5: Steven, a question for you. Um, you said they were playing a little bit reserved within themselves or maybe boring. But during the World Cup, especially against England, and even in bits and pieces against Wales, they're really much very much aggressively attacking maybe without the finishing product you, you feel like there's a central striker probably missing but they're really taking the game to the opponent so is this a little bit different to the last seven eight nine ten games are they really rising to the occasion or it's more or less the same
4: I think it's more or less the same if you look at the last few games um you know I think you mentioned it back their midfield three is their strongest uh three or strongest part of their team. There's no doubt. Uh, you know, even their de- their defenders, their goalkeeper are very strong. I think the attack is actually where a lot of the fans, the critics, uh, you know, kind of critiqued and said, uh, we need more. Who's going to be the number nine for, for the U S uh, obviously Pulisic is an unbelievable player, but he's also had, uh, struggles with Chelsea and getting minutes, uh, very similar to Osmond with uh, Byron Leverkusen where, you know, he's not game fit. He's fit, he's healthy, but he's not game fit. And there's a difference when you're constantly playing 90 minutes uh, and compared to if you just come in here and there uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough to perform at such a high level. Uh, so it, we'll see, you know, against Wales, they look good in that first half, the, the U S but they got the goal and then they sat back and uh Wales looked like the better team. It was it a was tale of two halves in that match. Uh, England almost looked a little reserved today against the U.S. I think uh, U.S. had more chances. They played better, but it's not like they dominated. I don't think England dominated either. It was a bit back and forth. Iran and Wales, I think everybody can agree, Iran dominated for 90-plus minutes. Uh, so I'm very intrigued to see the, the tactical strategies that both managers play uh, in a game that Iran needs to tie and U.S. has to win um, and if that will play in each other's savers.
5: So we'll see.
2: Well, here's the thing, and I, I think you brought it up really well there. The midfield is very good USA. Yunus Musa is a guy who I really like watching play. He's a fantastic player. And I think probably one of the, the weakest links of our midfield is our, our lack of speed in the middle. Uh, Vaid has not played a game yet in the World Cup um he's a little bit older now he's not going to be that guy who he was in 2018 uh Ahmad Nourlai just got an injury so we'll see if he's going to be available so we are lacking a little bit of speed in the middle uh Adam's also quite good on the ball uh, very clever footballer McKenny very physical uh can play anywhere across the midfield plays for Juventus anywhere across the midfield so they have quite a dynamic midfield do they have creativity probably not i don't think they've got that in, in the in the, in the they, they've definitely got creativity in the wider areas so we'll have to see how reza Ian and and milad muhammad deal with that 1v1 can they go and match them i think they can i think reza Ian can definitely match uh Pulisic for for strength i think he's got the the, the height on him as well but is he got the pace on him we will see uh i just feel like uh, this game is gonna be—it's gonna be Carlos Caroish against uh, Greg Berhalter, isn't it? It's gonna be that tactical battle, and I think Carlos Caroish has got that tactical battle uh, on lock at the moment, uh, especially against Wales. Hopefully, he can do something uh, for this game. Well,
5: I—I uh, t- oh, uh, was gonna say I totally yeah. agree. It's gonna be a battle between the coaches, and usually I back Carlos. And where he falls—where where he falls short—is that even if he's better than the other coach the other team has superior players like for example with england like they punish you off any mistake i would say wales and us iran the caliber of players are quite similar to each other yeah so uh, that probably gives carlos a little bit of the edge that his tactical new uh, his tactical uh, let's say setup could probably edge uh, what Halter, who has been criticized heavily even in american media if i'm not mistaken uh, over the past couple of years yeah, so it's, it'll be very interesting
3: yeah just to rewind, rewind a, a little bit to the camp in austria in late september aria got to ask carlos carlos about exactly this matchup we're going to listen to that right here
2: a question on the usa you did a thesis on them a long time ago about the 2010 world cup and can they get there and can it be successful Seeing them now and obviously playing against them in the World Cup, how successful do you think they are now? How tough can that game be for a run?
0: Progress. Football progress all over the place. That's modern football. I used to say this uh, sometimes in uh, uh, video uh, technologies, you can feel and uh, touch the progress of human beings very easy because uh, it's, it's clear. In the game... Uh, you uh, the majority of the people uh, they don't see it Uh, but we the professionals uh, we know how the game is moving forward how it is more fast uh, quick thinking quick decisions players better prepared ready that and this happens with all countries in the world including uh, the states europe it is a clear example of that they are year after year taking off uh, comparing Continents. Now they have this nations uh, competition. They compete between each other, and they are, uh, of course, uh, growing up more fast and more uh, accurate, uh, comparing with other other uh, countries and our continents in the in the world. But um, uh, this world world uh, championship, uh, uh, it's something different because uh, for me it's a couple of them, uh, in my belt. Uh, not only as, uh, as coach, but also as FIFA member working World Cups. But what we're going to face in this World Cup is completely new. A short period of uh, uh, resting periods during the games. One um, competition play in November, which is completely different comparing with other World Cups. We have players in Europe that they come with 15, 18 games in the legs. The other World Cups, they have 65, 70 uh, games in the legs. So let's see what happens. But for sure, something different will happen in this, uh, this uh, one.
3: Before we move on to lineups, uh, I, I, I want your take on this, Stephen, the matchup between kirosh and Berhalter. You got to know Berhalter a little bit. I'm pretty sure you played against him when he was coaching the MLS. Is that right?
4: Yeah, we've had our fair share of battles, except, uh, especially when I was with throng Let's See, and he was obviously the coach of Columbus Crew at the time. So, um, yeah, we've we've had our fair share of battles, and I, I know his system, his style, he likes to play pretty well.
3: What's your guess on how that's going to go?
4: He likes to attack. I, you know, I think this suits him uh, because – this was the flaw of the Columbus uh, Columbus crew when he was there, that they just attacked. They weren't good at holding leads or defending, um, and he was very good during the regular season, but then the playoffs, he'd always falter because you have to defend in the playoffs. Uh, you know, the the year we won the championship at Toronto FC, everyone talks about our attack, but we had one of the best defenses in the entire league. You know, we went into Columbus missing Josie Altador and Sebastian Giovinco, two of the best Uh, players in the entire league um, and we got a shutout 0-0 so now we came back to Toronto FC and I I think we got a shutout that game as well Uh, this is where he I think Greg falters is uh, having to defend so now he has to win against Iran which goes in his favor a little bit more but vice versa this is gonna be a a beautiful chess match between uh, Carlos and Greg just because I think Carlos likes to defend more um and so now they can hit the US on the counterattack which suits them uh it's it's going to be a fun game to watch i think they're <laughs> i think the coaches are going to be nervous i don't think the players are going to be nervous i think the, the first and second game got that out of their uh, out of their system so um it'll it's, be a very intriguing
2: battle it's also great how and i'm not trying to be a bit optimistic here for the podcast i'm not really that optimistic in general but england drew today so if england do lose against wales we could still finish first place. You know, there is that all right, chance.
3: All right.
2: <laughs> you know what I mean? So listen, Jeez. guys. You know, Bobak, come on, man. I know you're that guy. Let's but not get carried away, give man, us your like... give us your come on. Give us your optimism, man. Come on, you never know. <laughs> I,
5: I, I get super optimistic right before kickoff. It's my usual thing. But in the build-up, I'm like very realistic down low. But to be honest, for, for this game, I just I just felt like We have a chance, and everyone around me, you guys included, there was a lot of negativity in the room when we are talking, preparing for the game, but I just felt like he's chosen these guys for a certain reason. We trust Carlos Kiros. I've never really seen Carlos Kiros screw up two games in a row throughout his whole time with us. We've had some mess-ups, but he always bounced back immediately. And that that was what gave me a little bit of belief that he's worked something out somehow, some magic. And it's... People don't know half the stuff that's going on in the camp or, or around the team. And it's a monumental, mental effort for these players and coach to turn things around 180 degrees. It's unbelievable. I, I don't think many of us expected it when we want to be honest with ourselves. So I totally respect it. And like Steven said, it's inspirational and one of the greatest sporting comebacks if the stories are ever out in the open people will realize what kind of effort these guys really put to turn this around from the england game
3: well on on that note Bobak, what is your projected lineup of the group b winning iran team going into the third match what's the lineup we haven't even talked about hossein hosseini he was hardly tested but he made the save when it counted let's not forget about that he was do, we solid. Keep, do we keep him in goal? What, what's our lineup?
5: Um, I th- just a word on Hosseini, yeah. I think he was solid. Not only did he save what he had to save, he had good reflexes, but he came out aggressively on crosses two or three times. He came almost to the, b- beyond the penalty spot. Yeah, and that that takes a lot. And he caught, got the ball. He's not as tall as some of the attackers like Kiefer Moore. So very impressive. But if you're, if, if Adereza Bayron van is 100% mentally and physically and psychologically fit, I would put him in. That's just just the way it goes. If there is any risk or any, I don't know, issue with him, then you would have to say that, hey, stick with Hosseini after on the back of this this performance. Of course, Beran Van will have to wear a face mask. So how will he react when he's going into the 50-50 challenges to get the ball, et cetera? So these are big decisions for the coach. In terms of lineup, I think no one has ever predicted a Carlos Quiros lineup, ever, in the eight years he's been there. So I'm not going to try to be the first. I will trust whatever lineup he puts out. I think there are one or two players who you would think – are undroppable on the back of this game. Tarami, Bazmoon, if he's fit, maybe Ramin Rezaian. There's a few players there you can pick, the centre-backs maybe, but I think there will still be some one or two surprises. He's he's not been afraid to use the squad throughout the World Cup, so, yeah.
2: I, I, I don't think that Saman Koto gets a start in this World Cup, unfortunately. I just don't think he'll get it. Um, not, not that he's not a good player, I think He's a top player. I just don't know if Kero trusts him. You know, we spoke about it on the first part. I just don't know if he has the trust in him. And I think it's a bit of a shame because I think um, someone is a is a fantastic player. I think he's got everything that you want from midfielder. Maybe he doesn't have the work rate. I mean, he had he showed fantastic work rate against against Uruguay. I, I was there in the stadium in Vain. I thought he covered a lot of ground and he showed fight and... Something different that I haven't seen from him before, so I would like to see him start. I don't, I don't see enough from Ahmad Nur-Lahi to suggest that he should play all three games in this World Cup. But you know, but so...
5: he, there is no one else like Nur-Lahi. Exactly. Today right. he had a good, he had a good game. We don't a very, have
2: a hard-working game. midfielder who, who can yeah. be a box to box. So I think there
5: was a point he cleared the ball from the corner yes. and he chased the goalkeeper down. Yep. It was unbelievable effort from Norolahi. He, he has.
2: He has. Three lungs, right? He's a fantastic athlete. Technically speaking, is he good? He's not terrible, but he's not at the standard that you want. But from midfield, but I think when you look at the 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 USA midfield, how do we compete against them? We need players who can match their intensity. Um, if we can play a guy like Ahmad Nurlahi, great. Said, can he match the intensity of Adams and McKenney? Probably not. But he looked very. Sharp against Wales. Is he going to recover from injury? We'll see. And I think you know we still need to have a player like him in the midfield to keep the ball. But I just don't know if we have quite the level of intensity and 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 the desire to to be up 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 and down for ninety minutes compared to the USA midfield. So we might have to pack the midfield. We might need to bring the wingers inside, make it more compact in that in that middle of the park. You know, we'll see what happens. But well, see what do you think? Yeah,
4: I can't imagine too much change from from this last game against Wales. But at the same time, they put a lot of physical uh, demand on their bodies today. Uh, You mentioned the pressing was everywhere. I thought the midfield actually played really well today. Uh, But, you know, they were chasing everything down for uh, forwards, midfielders, defenders. Uh, The fullbacks were bombing forward. Uh, The guys are going to be gassed. And this is a little bit of the sports science that comes into it. You know, tomorrow they're not going to be sore. It's the next day that they're going to, the lactic acid's going to kick in and their legs are going to be jello. Uh, So, is it enough time to fully recover to put on a huge performance again uh, against Iran? I don't know. Um, You know, maybe he does, maybe Carlos does uh, switch the lineup a little bit, get some fresh legs in there, and then bring these guys on at the end to to change the game. It's going to be a tactical battle between Carlos and Greg, and I'm excited to see it.
2: I don't think he changes the defence. Murtasapur, Ali Ganji and Majid keep their position. I think I think that, that, that Mirad Mohamadi, Romare Zoyan, keep their spots. Hossein Hossein, he keeps it. If Saeed is available, he keeps it as well. I think Hoy Safi will be starting for sure. He seems to be in quite good form. Um, Ahmad, again, if he's fit, he starts. Front three, I, I can't see him changing it either if, if Osmond is available. Um, so I think, I think it can be unchanged for, for the US team.
5: I bet you it won't be. I'm going to just say it now.
2: Well, I would like to get one of these predictions right for his... Le- I've never... I've li- literally <laughs> never, ever... ever I've, no got right for, I've got it right for... For it was easy because he was picking, like, his favourites <laughs> all the time. He was picking North <laughs> afghan all the time at left-back. It was very simple. But for Kerosh, it's impossible. Like, it's literally not possible to pick his... To pick
3: Maybe, maybe third time will be the
2: charm. All I right. used to think that Beethoven should be at right back if we get against in the 2014 World Cup when I mean, he played Montez at right back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was a big surprise, you know? Even I, I for yourself, Steven. I was told I was starting
4: as well, so it was a shock to everybody.
2: Yeah. We, we,
5: like uh, we all shocked. did. We all did. Like, that was that was another shock there, but that's Carlos. He's just, sometimes he makes, I think that was the World Cup he threw in Ali Reza Haiti in goal as well. That was also a shock. Out of nowhere, he became the first choice goalkeeper. So, that's Carlos for you
3: yeah I I I I can I can vouch for that playing the 2014 EA Sports World Cup edition I I made sure to punch in Steven at the right back I did quite well (laughs) um but uh honestly guys we answered a lot of fan question fan questions we appreciate you sending them in Instagram Twitter we really appreciate that we address a lot of them uh, uh, including the, the backline one. I like how Arya brought that up. Uh, one, one I do like uh, from uh, Sajad uh, at uh, Football Havadar. Um, he asks, how do we win the midfield against a team like the U.S.? It has that area as its main strength. They have a lot of skill as well. Arya, go ahead first.
2: Kind of answered it earlier on. I think again, we packed. I think we had to bring the, the 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 wingers inside. Really make it nice yeah. and uh, compact in the middle. Um, you know, it's it's not going to be easy. You, you can't you can't give them a lot of space, but you can't also defend for ninety minutes. You have to try and, and give them something to, to to think about at some point during the game. You can't always defend for ninety minutes. So I think even against Spain and Argentina and Portugal, we still attacked at some points during the game. You have to do that. So. Um, I think there will be times where our, our midfield will be breached and uh, no doubt about it because they've got a lot of speed it's just uh, not getting into these uh, silly um, duels where you're you're making over committed tackles you're you're being sensible you're, you're standing your ground and uh, you know I think ultimately our players are clever enough not to do that but You know the emotions of the game can get to them sometimes. Maybe they make uh, silly tackles. I think just need to be, you know, uh, stationary when you need to be, and uh, make committing runs when need to be. Just not nothing too silly in there. I think it'll be fine.
3: Balak, do you have anything to add to that one? No, I think
5: I think Aria covered all the points there quite well. So.
3: Right. Uh, moving on, real quick, guys. A good question from uh, Daryush uh, on Twitter. If uh, Asmun is not fit to play, I'm not sure we know right now uh, whether it was no big deal or not. But if he's not on the field, do we keep having Karim uh, and Sarifard instead? Uh, maybe Goldus finally comes in. What other tactics can we use? if we don't have the asset of Osmoon.
5: I think you have two options you just mentioned right there. Karim would give you the most like for like change. It keeps things the same, more or less. And Taremi can play to his strengths. The alternative is playing someone like Saman, especially with Jahan Bash out, who would give you probably an extra body in midfield, but maybe a little bit of a number 10 role behind Taremi. That can also be interesting. I think Skocic, if I'm not mistaken, might have tried that a couple of times. Uh, so, I'm pretty good with both both options, to be honest with you.
2: Also, you know the option of I'damyri in there as well, potentially coming in. Uh, I'm not
5: good with that option, though.
2: No, <laughs> Stephen, I'm I'm curious what you think, you know, because obviously you're a defender, and you know we we do want to draw in this game at the very least. Why do you want to set up this team?
4: Yeah, you know, I, I think. Um... Ousmane is okay. I think it was just cramps. Um, and so my curiosity goes to the tactical battle with the flanks, actually, with Timothy Wee and Pulisic for the U.S. against um, Ramin and Mohamedi. I don't think they're going to go forward as much. At least if I'm a coach, I'm telling them not to. Um, but both like to go forward. Both of their personalities are to attack. Uh, you know, Bobak mentioned earlier, I think Rami played forward and midfielder um, for his club team for so many games. Uh, and so now you're putting a lot of pressure on those guys to defend uh, the midfield. Do you tactically change it? You know, first game Iran went with a five, four, one, maybe this game, they go a four, two, three, one, and kind of congest that midfield. You have two holding mids that might suit them a little better. They can also uh, split out to the right side, to the left side, to help the fullbacks to double down on the wingers. So it's going to be a tactical bat battle. Uh, there's a million different things you can guess. We're not the coach, so we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna say what they should do, what they shouldn't. Uh, you know, they're gonna think of everything, and it's just gonna be a game that you you can't take your eyes away from it.
3: Right, guys. Uh, I guess that moves us on to um, scenarios. Uh, just for clarification, uh, how Iran can advance? What do they have to do? Now uh, we already touched on it. Um, technically, Iran could win the group if England loses. I, I believe that's our uh, is a fantasy. Uh, England, I don't want England draw. If
5: England see draws, see if it and happens, right? See if it England happens.
3: No, if England draws
5: and we win, we finish. first. Yeah, we do. Yeah, So right.
2: it's, it's still possible. If you know what I mean? Wales wins.
4: The goal differential becomes a kicker too. So don't right. don't be rooting for Wales too much. Just yeah, if Wales
5: wins there. and we draw, we are out because wales have a better goal difference than us Hmm. and so that's 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 exactly what stephen said so don't root for wales too much because if they sneak a win we are out if we draw
2: i don't see wales beating england if i'm being honest with you Uh, touch wood (laughs) wood. anything
3: anything can happen in the uh britannia derby right (laughs)
2: Yeah, well, you know, Wales historically have always been quite good against England, but I think this Welsh team—I don't know—they seem different this time around. I've not seen what from from them what I've seen, but like Gareth Bale's impact in this team isn't the way it was before. I think
5: it's it's one or two years too late for some of the players, like Bale, Ramsey. You could say they probably peaked a little bit earlier. Joe Allen, yeah, you know, these exactly. guys
2: are kind of past their primes, and I think they're kind of relying on players for for too long there's a couple like good young players are producing like brennan brennan johnson for example but they're not really relying on them i, I don't really know why to be honest i think they should rely on them but uh, i don't know just uh, maybe it's rob page just being a little bit more um, you know just wants to keep things a bit more simple for himself uh, all right finally guys uh,
3: predictions what do we think will happen at this game? Flashbacks of 1998, flashbacks 2000, the different generation. Everything's different by now. But, of course, you know Fox Sports, everyone in the U.S., they're going to bring up that 98 game in the past. I think they did with you, uh, Steve, and they brought up all the past of something that had nothing to do with you. I'm also curious how that was for you in that lead-up when, whenever uh, the national media was talking to you about that. Uh, I, I, yeah, talk, talk on that first and then give us your prediction.
4: Yeah, it's, I've been asked that question a million times. Uh, right when the U.S. game ended, uh, I got so many texts because now so much uh, so many implications of who goes through is based on this Iran-U.S. game. And uh, I, I think I should start charging people for my answer because everyone is so intrigued by it. Uh, but no, it's it's something that unfortunately uh, it, it doesn't go well for me, whatever I answer. Um, you know, it's it's like saying which which child you love more? you know? you love them both. You know, you hope that they both do well. When they play other people, you're obviously you're rooting for both teams. But when they're playing against each other, it's just a tough, tough game to to say, I want this person or that person to win.
3: So I take it we should not ask your prediction or who you want.
4: Nope, I'm passing.,
3: <laughs> fair, fair, fair enough. And don't worry though, you I'm sure you'll get about ten other.
4: Media outlets asking you the same thing between now and Tuesday.
3: I hope it's
2: just ten. That'd be nice. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say for uh, for Iran to to win this game, but it's gonna be one of those Iran against Wales fixtures where everything kind of boils down to the final few minutes and a one 0 victory for Iran. I think that's what's gonna happen. I think Tarami has too much for this. USA Defense. I don't think the I don't think Kane showed enough in this game uh, against uh, against uh, the U.S. I don't think he did enough in this game, to be honest. But I think Tarami will f- will will want another goal, and I think we'll get it against the U.S. back
3: One one for me. Um, it's, 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 it's gonna. It's, uh,
5: Let's okay. We know we're a good team, but beating teams back to back in the World Cup, we've never done that before. So we're in uncharted territory. Yeah. So um, even beating a European team, this was the first time we'd ever done it at the World Cup. So players will be aware of that. And maybe the glass ceiling is breaking, but I still find it tough to see us winning two in a row. So I'm pretty happy if we get the draw because I think England will probably do the job. 1-1, one, one, I would say. I
2: want to ask you, before we go off, just last question, right? If we advance to the next round, what does that mean for Carlos Kairos as a coach? You know, this is going to be a historical moment for the national team of Iran. Statue. Us in, Statue. What does that mean for him? You know, because obviously he's had some difficulties. You know, he went to Egypt, didn't get to the World Cup, didn't win the AFCON. He went to Colombia, had a tough time there. But this is going to be a monumental moment. What do you think it's going to mean for him as a coach? Bye-bye.
5: Maybe one of the highlights, maybe one of the highlights, if not the highlight of his career, you'll probably think or say it's the highlight of his career. I think he will go down as the greatest Iranian coach of all time. He probably is already, but this would cement it. And I think this will be the greatest Iranian team of all time. It'll cement these guys' statuses as legends of the game. So that's that's on on let's call it on the bigger picture. That's how I see it.
3: It's pretty good thought, something we dreamed about for a long time, but never really thought it was all that realistic until now. Steven, uh, do you share that same sentiment?
4: Yeah, 100%. I think uh, Carlos is an unbelievable coach. Uh, he has respect from so many people, all the players, the the federation, the, the fans. Um, you know, I, I think after the 2018 World Cup, he, you know, I don't know if, for what reason but he thought he was going to maybe bigger better better things maybe there was some pressure from the federation um and so who knows what really went on behind the scenes but it just didn't work out with them with uh, egypt and Colombia. um you know that being said i i think skocic got a lot of criticism uh, i don't know what your guys take was as well and who knows maybe he would be doing the same uh if he were in charge right now so uh, you know, it's tough to say uh, if Carlos wasn't here, we wouldn't be doing well because I think he did a, a great job to come save Iran when um, when Mark was in charge uh, and, you know, on the verge of elimination. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's, it was a tough place for for him to come in and, and then Carlos to come in with only two months to prepare for World Cup. So uh, he did a fantastic job. And I, I think that people are always behind him even someone like myself who got called in and didn't play under uh, his tenure. And uh, I still have so much respect for him. And, and I can't say anything but good things about him just because of the person he is. So, can, yeah.
5: can I ask you something, Steven? Carlos has this thing of creating a team spirit and he's got 25 players. Some of them are very good at their clubs, but they don't get games, but they all seem pretty happy. What is the secret of him getting someone like you in, probably giving you a big build-up getting nationality paperwork blah blah blah. world cup you don't get games and you still say such things about him so what's the secret
4: yeah uh, obviously i think tactically he's a genius he is his resume he's played for or coached for some of the biggest teams in the world Uh, but then he's a player person Uh, you guys i'm sure have heard that uh, before he communicates with these players you know before the before the first game in 2014 at the World Cup, he, he came to my hotel room and talked to me because he knew that I knew I was supposed to start or was going to start, but I wasn't. Um, you know, Pajman ended up starting at right back, who's traditionally a center back, and and he talked to me. And so for him to do that, it's little things like that, um, it means a lot to players because, let's face it, uh, we're, we're all competitive as players. We all want to play. We're disappointed when we don't play. Um, and so for, for a coach to do that, uh, it speaks volumes of that, uh, coach as a person. And so that's is, why I always speak so highly of Carlos. Is that
2: quite a rare trait then from a coach to come and actually have a one-to-one talk and give you a reason, a reason why he's not playing you. Is that a rare thing in your career? Yeah, you've-
4: yeah it is. It is rare. Um, but the players appreciate it. And, uh, you know, on, on a club level, it goes uh, spoken about like, oh, that coach is great to play for. That coach is great, or that coach is terrible to play for. You know, guys speak um, on the club level more so than maybe national team level uh, because national team level, there are politics involved. You know, I understand that as well. And so sometimes the hands are tied or, you know, sometimes the federation or whoever says, you know what, you have to play this person or you can't play that person. So uh, when you have a coach, Come speak to you personally, they don't have to do that. Who said that they have to come explain themselves? you know they they have uh, a million decisions that they have to make so who are who are you to expect that this coach needs to explain himself? So the fact that he does that, the fact that he gets everybody united, everybody fighting for the same common goal, um, again, it speaks volumes of him as a coach and as a person
3: yeah, and, and for a lot of uh u.s fans who will be tuning into this i know there'll be quite a few i just want to go on record that yes we had Stephen Betashore on yes he was in a u.s camp and he was with uh iran in the 2014 world cup no he did not say he's rooting for iran i just want to make that clear just in case anyone wants to give any unnecessary crap that's just
4: Or the other, don't just say yeah, one be of careful. the other. Yes, be not, <laughs> not rooting. This is not
2: rooting. he's not, and he has, yeah, has yeah. I me... <laughs> that statement
4: right there would get me in a lot of trouble if I said it.
2: Start so again. You want, one, <laughs> you want to retake that one?
4: No, no, he's okay. He's okay. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, but, but, no, but, but,
3: no, but, but, Stephen, we really do appreciate you coming on. This has been a fantastic conversation. It, I hope it really enlightens people ahead of Tuesday's match because. I mean, everyone's going to be watching, yeah, and I, I want to say a big thank you, yeah,
2: Stephen. I really appreciate the time for coming on.
3: Thank you, Stephen,
5: for your time.
4: Anytime, it was a pleasure. It was great. Uh, you know, I talked to some of you before meeting you guys uh, in a video, almost in person. So it's it's great to be on. Thank you.
2: We've had you on for a few interviews, but we've never had you on a podcast. So hopefully, we can bring you on again at some point. It was uh, it was really enlightening and uh, good to have you on.
4: Yeah, anytime.
3: Yeah, and I always remember that cheeky down the center penalty in the u.s open cup uh against the against the Dino. The Dino won but hey it, you can't you can't blame uh beta Shores' penalty he did his part in the shootout so uh anyway uh yeah thanks again Stephen. and we hope that all of you will uh, tune in for our twitter spaces in the pregame uh to tuesday's match uh be sure to like and subscribe uh, to this if you're watching on YouTube uh, as well as sharing it on all other podcast platforms, we'll be sure to bring you the latest updates on social media as well as after the game as well. So uh, on behalf of uh, Goldbizan, uh, thanks for listening and uh, we will see you for the U.S Iran match.
1: This is Heath Pierce, former U.S. men's national team player, and you are listening to Gold Bazan, the podcast.